Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, podcast listeners. Yeah, stop typing over there. I can hear you. Um, in case this is the first time that you've heard me yell at Ben before, we do more than that in a podcast. What we do is talk about the latest new cars that we've driven, as well as the new car industry, um, and get to talk about all the things that are going on in our heads as apparent experts in the industry. Uh, so, Ben, what have you been driving recently? Well, actually, Sammy, I want to hear what you have to say first, because you have the far more interesting vehicle this week. Oh, okay. Uh, I drove a really funky car. I drove the 2018 Lamborghini Aventador S Roadster. And that is the top-of-the-line vehicle that you can get from the Lamborghini lineup. It's an unbelievable car. It's so it's so incredible, Ben. It, this is such an unbelievable vehicle. Um, and in case you're wondering, it's nuts. It's super nuts, Ben. I don't know if you've been in a car like this. Um, it, like, how do I? Where do I even start? What do you want me to start with when it talk when I when it comes to this vehicle? Just start where you're where you feel most comfortable, son. That's <laughs> that's what we all want to hear. <laughs> okay, mounted midship of the Aventador S Roadster is a 6.5 liter V12. V12, naturally aspirated V12. Do you know how rare that is in a mid-engine vehicle, a big engine like that? Or any vehicle. I think the only V12, the only naturally aspirated V12 I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Ferrari makes them, Lamborghini makes them. Does anyone else still make them? I think all of the Mercedes ones are twin turbo now. Um, Aston Martin, are any of their V12s still uh, available or have they switched to turbo V8s across the board? I think they still have some V12s, um, but those are not mounted mid-engine same with those ferrari ones they're not mounted mid-engine as far as i understand all right uh at least not naturally aspirated ones i'm not sure about maybe the la ferrari is mid-engine v12 i can't i'm i'm showing off my supercar knowledge here um i'm impressed i'm so impressed (laughs) and it makes 740 horsepower 509 pound feet of torque and you feel that it is so 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 fast what is it it rev to uh oh my god like over 8,000 rpm it sounds insane um, and it's, uh, it's made it to a seven speed single clutch transmission that sends power to all four wheels. Um, and Ben, it goes zero to 60 in three seconds. It has a top speed of 217 miles per hour, which it will, it feels like it'll achieve very, very easily. Um, and it's, it captures attention everywhere it goes. And no, I, I think. I, I, I think they've made it better by removing the roof, too. I've driven the, the coupe, and I think they've made it better by removing the, the roof. Now, um, I want to back up to when you said single-clutch automatic transmission. Oh, yeah. This that is sounds easily the horrible. Worst. It's easily the worst part of the car. Worst. Like, absolute worst. It is like – it is – I don't even know – how this made it into the vehicle. I, it's, a, it's a compromise um, that they say is, is there for um, two reasons. It feels um, different. And that's the, that's the whole part, I think, of being a Lamborghini. Wait, thing different to from have. what, though? Like, different from a transmission that's smooth to shift? Like, what's... <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it provides a unique experience while also saving weight over a dual clutch. So, and I don't know if a dual clutch... I imagine, I guess, a dual clutch could handle this, the power of this engine. I know, I know that there's some pretty high horsepower handling dual clutches out there. And you, th- you figure that at Lamborghini with, you know, the Huracan has a dual clutch, right? So. Yeah. And that dual clutch is really good. This single clutch transmission is horrible, especially in that gear change between one and two, uh, gear one and two and two and three. It like, you can feel it disengaging the gear and then re-engaging the next one. It takes 
like a, it feels like two seconds or three seconds. It feels like the first time you learn how to change gears in a manual transmission yourself, um, and, or you're trying to teach someone how to how to change gears. It's just like first gear, here we go. Let's put it into second. Oh, we stopped. Now and they, there's the. <laughs> how do you, how do you justify that in a four hundred and ten thousand dollar car? I I would say I justify it by saying that you spend a lot of money on a car like this to feel it, to feel a part of the process, to feel like you are um, that you're you're operating something that that is mechanical in function, not well, digital. I completely disagree. I, I I don't. There are so many. If that were true, it would have a third pedal. If that were absolutely true, it would have a manual transmission. The that fact that it true. doesn't have a manual transmission, I think, makes it. I think that obliviate, obliterates that argument. I well, I'm just saying. I think um, in a car that's as dramatic as the as the Aventador S, the gear changes as well have some um, dramatic pauses to them. So. No, in a vehicle that's <laughs> all about speed, there should be no pauses whatsoever. And the, you know what? In the higher in the higher speeds and higher um, gear changes, you know, five, six, seven, it it's very fast. And downshifts are also pretty impressive as well. But it's just those first three gears that seem absolutely bizarre. Um, and uh, I don't know. Like I, I I don't know how else to, to describe it. That is 100% the least engaging, enjoyable part of the vehicle. Um, I don't know if they're going to continue with this going forward. I would I think, think not. I, I think it's got to be a legacy design at this point. I think so. I think you're right. And uh, a compromise. There's. They've also got, I mean, as we know, Lamborghini is a part of the uh, the Audi and Volkswagen auto group empire. And there's a lot of really impressive vehicles um, with really amazing engineering. And it's about time that Lamborghini starts picking up some of the pieces there. Um, I think we've had enough of this um this unrefined transmission but the rest of the car is unbelievable buddy um there's a lot of feedback in the steering wheel it's it, it is it is very interesting to to feel a car that talks to you through every element um of the road um through the steering wheel through your seat um the suspension is extremely stiff you just feel everything um it feels like a true honest sports car but there's also um Four-wheel steering, which helps give the car a little bit more stability at higher speeds when changing lanes and doing um, any high-speed high-speed maneuvers. Um, there's also a number of, of drive modes and a custom mode, which is very cool. Um, and it looks it looks wild. I have a couple of complaints. I don't know how this is possible, but headroom in this vehicle as a roadster is stupid. It's like it's a very is a it's a terrible thing to to deal with. The front window, the front windshield is so raked that I can't, I can't see what's happening in front of me ever, um, especially when it comes to uh, traffic lights. I need to either like step up over the over the windshield, like pop my head up and extend up so I can see what's going over top of the car, or I have to duck under the windshield, which is bizarre. Um, it, it, it also kind of sounds. It kind of sounds like if you were wearing a helmet at a track, your helmet mm -hmm. would be sticking up over the protective <laughs> yeah. part of the of the of the convertible. I also want to add this is unlike the unlike the Huracan Spider that I drove um uh, uh, maybe 2 years ago there is no automatic roof here it is a manual roof a fabric roof that is stored in the front trunk and when you store it in the front trunk there is no more space for anything else and there's no more space in the in the front trunk there's no space inside the car like your stuff has to be floating is literally floating around well, you, in you, the cabin 
you tie it to a helium balloon, and then yeah. you tie that balloon to to the windshield or something, and then you just hit the gas and forget about everything yeah. in your life that sucks because you're you're driving you're driving this weird Lamborghini caravan. But where can I go? Where like is it all of these like compromises, all of these issues are so forgivable once you hear this engine and once you feel it go like unbelievably quick and change gears at that high that 8000 rpm red line it's un it's 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 intoxicating ben it is it will turn you into a giggling mess it'll it'll make you love life and love the world um, the only thing is when you're driving something that's this expensive and it starts at $460,000 US and $506,000 uh, Canadian. Oh, I thought it was 410. Very... Sorry, I, I missed. I was I was wrong earlier. Oh uh, yeah, um, it's a very expensive vehicle and you get skittish and nervous every time you're around traffic or in 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 public and people love to look at this car they get distracted by it they will pull out their phones the moment you drive by they can hear it coming from um miles away and they get excited they just people are are ready are anxious and um same with when you turn on the engine suddenly because it just it it blips the throttle when it turns on it screams and people naturally whip their head around what was that and and you cannot help but bring out your your phone and, and want to take a photo of this thing in action. And it also has an automatic start-stop, which is pretty interesting as well. Um, and combined with that herky-jerky transmission. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, this just adds to the dramatic flair of a Lamborghini. You get one because you want to be seen in it, and that's exactly the case. And so I, I like that you're like semi-Lamborghini apologist here. I mean, it's... it's I, know, I've been indoctrinated. It is absolutely... Once you drive it, you cannot... Because I, I really, really like the Huracan, and, and the Huracan has none of those compromises. Like it's, That's it's, true. But I also think that's because the Huracan, and Lamborghini hates it when anyone talks about this, it shares a lot of its platform with an Audi product. Um, yeah, the R8. The R8. So it's it's already a vehicle that has been designed uh, with ergonomics in mind, with practicality in mind, with daily drivability in mind. And as easy as it is to drive the Huracan every day... The R8 is even easier. It's it's yeah. not nearly as low. It doesn't it's, have the same kind of overhangs. More affordable. Yeah. So it's you know Lamborghinis. I think the, the this model of Lamborghini is it, it's, it's a true Lamborghini. It's special. It's well, different. Wait. It's, I, I you say you know when whenever someone says something like true Lamborghini, that's that's an excuse for hey we built it like we used to build it and uh, yeah <laughs> it, might, it might not always work and stuff but trust us it's pretty cool so. They they have the ability and the access to the technology to make a very modern supercar, um, and they're they're choosing not to for whatever reasons. It's probably financial. It's probably easier. They had this technology around at the time that this vehicle came out, so I understand all of that. Uh, I just I don't like it when it's cloaked in this mysterious hey Lamborghini essence of 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 passion and desire and whatnot. It, it really it's an engineering and an economical decision that was made. Yeah. So. That's true, and um, but I, I truly do believe that this car, when you drive it, it just changes your mind. It says that's okay. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're talking to a guy who loves the Alfa Romeo 4C, which is objectively a terrible car in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's perfect. So but it's also I, a I quarter it. of the less than a quarter. Sorry, a fifth of the price of this car. Um, at true, its most. But it's also more expensive than much better cars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and, and I don't know, like, I really hope you get the, the opportunity to drive one of these. I think they well, will after be. after what I just said, definitely not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
fucking happen? It's not like Lamborghini's like, you know what? We need to convince Benjamin Hunting that 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 he's wrong and that we're right. So we're gonna get him in this car as soon as we can. It's more like there's a list of names and, <laughs> and there's a black marker yeah. and like the marker's going down the list till it finds my name and then it's scratching it out. <laughs> That's what just happened. Um, I don't I don't know about that. I think they'll be eager to let you uh, check this out, and I hope you do. And one hundred percent, never going to happen. <laughs> Um, uh, well, what else, what else do you want to know about this? It is, it's insane, Ben. It sounds awesome. You've never heard of car. Well, maybe you, you have, you've probably heard a lot of things. I've Can I actually, though, I need to, we need to talk about supercars though, in general, are supercars still relevant? I mean, you've driven a vehicle with four doors and four wheel drive. Um, that is a fifth of the price of this that can do everything that this can do. I mean, a BMW M5 can do this. A Dodge Challenger Demon can is faster in a straight line than this. Yeah, a model, it, a Tesla Model S uh, can do zero to sixty like that in 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 no time. But these are all different experiences, as you pointed out. So for you, what's what's letting you gloss over some aspects of the of the Lamborghini that you're not happy with is the experience overall of the vehicle, and I think that's very important. It's the design. It's the it's the sound. It's a number of things. It's the also the experience that occurs outside the vehicle. When you drive past somebody in an M5, I don't think people like whip out their phones and want to get a selfie with it. Um, but when you are in a in a in a Lamborghini Aventador S, um, people want to talk to you for some reason. They want to know what that car is. They want to know how much it costs. What's the fuel like? They want to know how fast it is. They want to tell you about their latest cool car that they've ever driven in their life they want to know what you do for a living that doesn't happen in other cars oh, for sure i mean and and that's why they make chocolate and vanilla because people want <laughs> different experiences so i i totally get it i mean i don't think it's a question of are supercars relevant i i think it's you know supercars have their place for people who are into them mm-hmm. um you but and i've had but the performance metrics of supercars have changed completely i guess you know? i mean like, hi- hybrids they're... have really opened that up quite a bit it's unbelievable. Well, to me, it, it, it just is so interesting because the way we, we see supercars in that performance sphere is no longer as relevant as it used to be. I, I don't know about that because, I mean, a lot of the cars you've talked about, um, like the, the, Hell, the Hellcat or the Demon being faster in a straight line, I mean, if you go to a corner, then the supercar leaves it behind, right? And for the M5, it's it's very heavy, and um, you're going a lot of that's electronic. So the experience of driving it quickly is going to be quite different. And I also don't know how many laps you could turn in on an M5 versus uh, a Lamborghini before you start to have to come into the pits for tires. I mean, when we, when I drove the the M5 at Estoril, we were changing tires. I want to say no. every couple really? of every couple of sessions, because wow. Estoril has very gravelly asphalt it's uh it's not like normal asphalt and it eats up tires quite a bit and the car is very heavy so you put those things together and um very quickly you can go through a set of tires just because of weight and all-wheel drive so it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of things to take into consideration i think i don't think supercars are less relevant because normal cars are faster um i think supercars are are, are not super relevant to me because i've never really been interested in cars that aren't attainable yeah. Uh, so I've never, when I was a kid, it wasn't something that interested me, and that's kind of continues to this day. I can appreciate them, and I don't have anything against them, but I don't aspire to own them, and um, it's not like a quasi-religious experience to drive them. And I've just always felt that way about supercars. To me, like the the definition of a supercar was something that pushed the envelope in terms of engineering, and it it did it in a way that um, that set a benchmark going forward. Now I think a number of cars have reached. The, at least the zero to sixty 
benchmark. I don't know if you can even crest, if you can really truly beat a, like an, a sub three second zero to 60 time without bending gravity. I don't know. Um, so it's now another, there needs to be a new metric, a new element that supercars bring to the table that the next generation of, of vehicles, everyday mainstream vehicles, um, or less supercar vehicles can attain. I'm, I wonder, think I'm looking forward to what that is. I think they've already done that. I mean, if you look at something like the Val, the the, the Val, was it the Vulcan or the Valkyrie, which is the crazy Aston Martin. There's two. One is a one is a track car, and the other one is a mid-engined um, hypercar. Yeah. So you're looking at these cars that have very very trick hybrid systems that can add right. and, add power when they need to, like coming mm-hmm. out of a corner. You're looking at cars that have phenomenal aerodynamics and grip that you would not have in a normal street car. I mean. That's when you, you're also looking at uh, materials use, like crazy carbon fiber, other exotic yeah, materials. Starting that you to make out. up materials too, in some ways or another, right? So like I think car- super, I think supercars are still extremely differentiated from regular uh, sedans and that that happen to be fast. And the same with you know, like look at something like a Corvette CR1. That's an mm. incredibly quick car, and I think you could argue that that's a supercar. But yeah, it doesn't but have. Yeah, does not cost like a supercar. No, right? but I mean, when you start getting into like active aero and active hybrid systems that are designed not for uh, fuel efficiency, but specifically to add performance in specific situations, then that's when you're looking at what a supercar brings to the table, and that's where the engineering development and dollars go into, and that's why the price is so high. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm eager to see what um, Lamborghini has next. Uh, some people are saying that there's already a new vehicle that they're ready to show off soon, um, and hopefully we'll see it at Pebble Beach. That would be pretty that would be pretty cool. I think that's where it would show up if if there was something. Um, and I can't wait. I hopefully they'll have a dual clutch transmission or something to change <laughs> gears with. Uh, it should honestly all it should be it should be a transmission on a table and be like we've done it. <laughs> here, here it is, and everyone would like ah, eat and eat some and have some champagne around it. Um, so, but I, I really did have a, a blast. We drove it through uh, the Muskokas, which is um, a, a cottage country region here in Ontario, and we took a seaplane to get to them, which is pretty cool, and back, which is also a fun experience, um, a very raw experience, just like a Lamborghini is, um, where you don't, you know, you experience winds and and flying in a very first-hand experience that's that's unlike just being say, at a commercial airport. Say experience again. Experience. Experience. Are you gonna are you are you gonna sample that in your Sammy Hadjassad experience? <laughs> so, so I didn't. I didn't drive a try? Lamborghini. I didn't drive you a Lamborghini. Probably, you drove something really. You drove a couple of really cool cars. Why? I think that's going pretty far. Um, I drove. I, I I wanted to see what it was like to drive the. So so once upon a time, Mini was one car. It was like when when BMW revived them, I guess in like what 2000, 2001, some, somewhere around there. It might it might have been a little later. They came out with the Cooper, and they were like, "Here is our, our interpretation of the classic Mini shape. It's a small subcompact car that's fun, and we're gonna price it a little high because it's got you know." Uh, luxuries you might not find in a Hyundai or a BMW Kia. Tech. Yeah, at at the time. So over the last 15 years, they've expanded the lineup and expanded the lineup. So there's a whole bunch of minis now. And and I took out a pair of minis. The first was the base Cooper, which okay. is a uh, two door or three door if you count the hatch. It's got a three cylinder engine that's turbocharged. You get 134 horsepower. And mine was really really was a base. It had like the base stereo. It had a six speed manual transmission. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a very honest uh, entry level mini. And then the week after that, 
I took out the Mini Cooper Countryman all four John Cooper works, which is the most expensive, biggest, most capable Mini on, on, on the market. So It also has the most ridiculous name. Yeah, well, I mean, Countryman means it's 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 their SUV, I guess. It's, yeah. it's like rides a little higher. Uh, all four then, means it has all-wheel drive. Yeah. And then John Cooper Works means it has a crazy engine. Yeah, uh, or, or as crazy as it gets for for Mini these days. Okay, so, so what do you want to start? Let's start with the let's start with the base Mini Cooper because I actually really like this car, even in its base form. Uh, I've driven it a, a, maybe two years or three years ago, uh, and I think some 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 things have changed since then. Um, but I actually am really impressed with that 1.5 liter um, engine in low in the low end of the vehicle. You know, in the low end rev range, I think it feels a little bit punchier than most subcompact would. Well, you know, the, the vehicle I drove, so it's a, I drove a 2018, I'm pretty sure. The 2019s are available now, but there's no real difference um, in terms of functionality. Like, uh, you get some styling changes, yeah. but the 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 engines are all the same. Um, I, I like, um, there's a few things I like about the car. It, it's reasonable to drive. I mean, yeah. the, the suspension's okay. It, I find I like the suspension, how, the chassis, to be really like impressive for a car of this size. I like I like the uh, six-speed manual being available. Um, mm-hmm. The three-speed, sorry, the the three-cylinder turbo is a weird motor. So it yeah. it does not like to rev. It does not need to rev. Like right, right. I there's no joy to be found in going up to like the six thousand RPM redline. Most of the time, I was around two thousand, two thousand five hundred RPM, which I think because is it's probably, got a lot of torque for that, right? It's got a, it. it it leaves out a, it puts out a lot of torque at that right at that I can't remember offhand how much torque there is. It's a decent amount. Um but the weird thing about the motor is I found myself almost always in second gear. Just like cruising around almost every situation. And then I get on the highway and I'm like, oh I gotta shift out of second, what a hassle. I'm like going to third. <laughs> and then there's no need to use like sixth gear because there's really not a huge difference between, you know, the revs in sixth and fifth and and what you will notice is when you slow down, you can't really lug the car in fourth or fifth gear like you really have to downshift. So um, it was just a weird experience. It, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. And the uh, the cargo space is actually decent, too. I took my sister to the airport in it, and she had um, some decent, uh, decently sized hard case luggage, which I fit in the back without any problem. And if you fold the, the seats down, you get like five times the cargo space as you would in the trunk. It's like something like 34 cubic feet. <laughs> So that's that's pretty good. Um, all all in all, it's a fine car. It's a little expensive. I mean, you're looking at I think twenty two thousand dollars, something like that, in the U.S. to get into a mini. Yeah. Uh, if you compare that to a Hyundai Accent, a Kia oh, Rio yeah. Five, or uh, that's a, that's a big premium to pay. It really is a huge difference in price. But do you think you're getting something tangibly better in terms of? Um, quality or or no experience no no i think you're get. i think you're getting something tangibly different okay. i think that uh like the issue is small cars these days subcompact cars like the cooper like the uh like the the kia and the hyundai that i mentioned they're all pretty much the same in terms of features you get you can get some really good stuff in an accent mm-hmm. um what you won't get is the kind of interior styling and exterior styling that the cooper brings to the table it's a different i think it's a different experience i think it's one that some people they're, they they want to have a car with more personality, and I think mm. that the Cooper delivers that. The question is, do you want to pay five grand more for that? That's that's up to you. That's a lot of money in the in a small car segment. You yeah, have, you're you looking at like twenty five percent of the price more yeah. to to. It's a unique. It's a niche. 
it's a niche that works well for BMW. They sell a lot of these cars. Yes. Um, and I, I can't think of anything bad to say about the car. If you want to pay more for it, go for it. I mean, they don't have the best reputation for reliability. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, uh, it's it's really a personal choice at that point. Um, the, the, the Cooper Countryman, though, the, 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 the big boy, this is a vehicle I was ready to hate. Um, I mean, well, there's a couple of reasons why. It's huge, despite being called a Mini. It's yes. expensive. Despite being a mini as well, it is it is forty thousand dollars. The version <laughs> it's, I just, it's twice the price of this. But that's because I draw. I had the keep in mind. I had the John Cooper Works Edition, which it, is their super high performance version of the car. Super high performance. Okay, how much high performance is it? It's a two hundred twenty eight horsepower two liter four. Super high performance. Well, the one I had had all wheel drive and had the eight speed automatic. Uh-huh. Um, it, it it's also it like you said it's really big. But I was like when I say I was prepared to hate it, it's because of all the things you just said. Philosophically, it's the weirdest mini. Mm-hmm. And I used to think it looked weird too. But I think I the one I had was black mm-hmm. with a red top, red mirrors, and some red other red trim, and it looked pretty good. I was impressed uh, uh, and surprised by how positively I reacted to it. It has 258 pound-feet of torque at 1,400 RPM. It feels not quick at all. Uh, oh. it, feel, it feels fine. Like, yeah. you're driving it, and you're like, okay, this is good. But I don't think you'd be like, this is $40,000 good. Like, it's yeah. it's so heavy. It's It feels really ponderous. Uh, so what is it that made you like this car? This is getting weird it's, now. It's useful. It's It's got a decent amount of room. It's stylish. It was comfortable. Uh, I think it looks, like I said, stylish. It, look, it looks decent. The sports suspension... I don't know. I mean, I guess it's giving me something. I didn't like, like, I didn't put it through the paces in terms of really twisty roads. I drove it hard a few times. It's not really super rewarding with the eight-speed automatic. The transmission does not respond well to uh, paddle shifts. Oh. It's not. No, it's not. It's not an engaging transmission. I would have much rather had the manual. Okay. Um, it's got an electra electronically controlled limited slip diff uh, with the when you order the all four. Um, okay. All-wheel drive, so it's going to be decent in the winter. Okay. I think it's a fine all-wheel drive, all-around alternative to a smaller SUV. It, it's kind of really, it's like a Volkswagen Golf in terms of size, I guess. It's it's like a like a puffed-up Golf, so you're not like a Tiguan. No, 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 like a, well, like I a guess golf. the Tiguan now is like, huge, like a Golf. Yes. <laughs> uh, but like a, so, a Tiguan, this has more ground clearance, I think, than a Tiguan, doesn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> really? Why would it have more ground clearance? Than I the mean, Tiguan? I thought that's the whole point of the Countryman. It's kind of like an. The SUV. Countryman is the Countryman is not a competitor to the Tiguan. The Tiguan is a much bigger vehicle. Okay. This is like if you wanted to find closest competitor, it would probably be like a Jeep Renegade. Or something yeah. Like okay. That. And this or okay, or well, a this... Fiat Fiat 500L, which is one no. of the worst vehicles you could ever lay your eyes onto, or an X, uh, another horrible similarly sized um, compact. Welcome to the FC. We bash FCA products. We are not bashing podcast. FCA products. We are bashing two versions of the Fiat that should not be. The, the X is just one of the. I don't. It's it's based on the same platform as the Renegade, and it's just not nearly as good. But um, anyway, so I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, it's it's not really a vehicle I would recommend anyone buy. It's not a vehicle I would recommend against. It's just it just is. It's out there. If you like Mini but you need all-wheel drive in your mind, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the only way to get it. And I don't know. Have you driven it, Sammy? What do you think of it? I've driven not the JCW version, the John Cooper Works version. I've driven the normal Countryman, and I actually really liked. Um, if I remember correctly, the base price of a normal Countryman um, 
if if under 30 grand, which is not so bad when you consider the price of a normal Cooper is like 21 or 22,000. And I found it to be very spacious, very, I found, I actually really enjoyed the suspension, which was, um, stiff for the size of the vehicle. Um, and it was, it, it turned a car that, that had no purpose being fun to drive into a vehicle that was fun to drive. Um, and I like the steering and, and suspension feel of it. I also really like, as you mentioned, the 1.5 liter turbo because it had two liter, two, two liter turbo. No, and I'm talking about the base, the base model, the non JCW oh, okay, version. That, I think that's a 1.3 liter. Uh, okay. I think I could be, 5. I could be wrong. 1.5, whatever. Um, it's the same one that's found in that Cooper. Okay. So it's a 1.5 three cylinder. Okay. And I really like what you said. You, you found yourself in, in, a, in a low gear, um, tootling around with that because the car felt really responsive in the lower gears and the the transmission ready to and the engine ready to give you that torque down low it's it's an experience that is not familiar to me as when i'm driving a subcompact crossover which needs to, i mean a subcompact vehicle which needs to be revved out which needs to have constant gear changes which is is whiny and and um in your face about it being a little bit cheaper and a little bit um less refined i cannot find a vehicle that in that size class that provides the same experience um, as this, the same driving feel as this. But there are so many different small cars um, for so many different buyers. I mean, if you want something that's all about space, you'd get something like a Fit or an HRV. Yeah, I think a Fit really, well, not an HRV, but I, I think the Fit really blows away the the Mini Cooper in mm -hmm. every single category. I bring uh, up the HRV because we're talking about, we're also talking about the Countryman. Yeah, but I mean the HRV is 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 a, a very slow vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, it's heavier, it's larger. It's, but that's it, what I mean. I mean the 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 fit has space, like lots of space. And yeah, the, but but with the Countryman, you can get a bigger engine and deal with the weight. With the fit, with the HRV, you can't. You're stuck okay. with the you're stuck with the the fit's drivetrain, which is fine if you're in a fit. So let's <laughs> talk. Then, then let's talk about the drivetrains. I mean, subcompact cars. Uh, we can even go into subcompact crossovers with good drivetrains are actually really hard to find. I would say the Nissan Juke is the closest thing to a fun-to-drive subcompact crossover. And what do you give up in that? Um, lots of cargo space, bizarre styling, and uh, an interior that is not at all up to the standard of a John, uh, a, a countryman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 a total niche market. It's 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 a weird thing. Like it's you know you figure that a, a subcompact crossover is something people are buying for budgetary reasons, right? But uh, and, and the so countryman is that. like countryman's like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> do you, you don't need. To do you want to pay a lot more? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't need to to deal with all these compromises. You don't need if to you're save just money. Willing, yeah, if, yeah. If you're just willing to pay for a good car, you can get one, and that's exactly what it is. I think they've done a really cool job in in addressing. Um, what's already out there and, and giving you much more than what, um, those other vehicles offer at a low price. Now, uh, there's, there's one, one more piece of news I wanted to talk about before we wrap things up this Ooh. week. And that comes from, uh, one of our favorite sources of news and that's a Fiat Chrysler. Okay. And they've come out with, what, what did they announce this week, Sam? Oh, they yes. got the world all the Twitter. Well, I mean, you know what I think is funny is that my, my favorite thing whenever FCA wants to do something really exciting is they usually tease it for like a month, and this didn't happen. They it just, did not happen. They just did it in like a day. They're like, hey, tomorrow we're going to do something cool. See you soon. And they did. They made a new version of the Hellcat. Um, it's called the Hellcat Red Eye, and they also changed um, the regular Hellcat a little bit as well. 
and uh, and what was commonly known another another vehicle known as the RT Scat Pack. So would you mind giving me a couple of uh, pointers on these new vehicles? Well, so the Red Eye it goes from having 707 horsepower to having 797 horsepower. Oh, an extra 90 horsepower, just like that. Yeah, well, I think that they've adapted a lot of the technology that was in the Demon engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're they're advertising the Red Eye as being possessed by a demon, which is fun, I think. And um, anyway, the <laughs> uh, it's, it's a more powerful Hellcat, which I think everyone can get behind. Uh, the, the I'm going to be driving it in about 30 days from now um, mm-hmm. on a racetrack. So hopefully uh, that'll that, that's obviously that's going to be fun to talk about. So we'll we'll have that information for you in early August. Um, but uh, the the real the real kind of lost in the shuffle stuff surrounding this Hellcat announcement is that like you said they're changing things about the Scat Pack. They're, they're adding a Scat Pack wide body. So the wide body gives you more tire and more track for the for the Challenger, which is something it's always needed. But it uh, it also gives the uh, the the adaptive suspension system that you used to find only on the SRT 392 and above. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on the Scat Pack wide body now, and it's getting the arrow from the Hellcat, um, and it's getting a whole bunch of stuff like launch control and line lock and SRT drive modes and all of that stuff. But what? No what? Yeah, that's all going on the Scat Pack wide body. But there's no talk of an SRT 392 wide body. Okay, so this nothing. Is, this so is very that, interesting. So that model might be gone, completely gone. And I don't like this for a very specific reason. Um. It means that it means that the six point, oh no, this, the big the good engine is still here. Yeah, but that's not the issue. The issue for me is the Scat Pack was always the best version of the Challenger in my opinion because oh, the Challenger right. is is not a sports car; it's a muscle mm-hmm. car, and you shouldn't have to pay for things like adaptive suspension and and the aero and whatnot that you're never going to use because they're they're not they're not really a car you would take to a racetrack. You can, and I'm not disparaging FCA by saying this. The Hellcat is very impressive on a racetrack. Um, I just think that that's not its strongest suit when you're not buying a Hellcat. Mm-hmm. I think that it, when you when you step down from the Hellcat and you went into the SRT 392, I think that that was a very, very heavy car that wasn't as engaging on a track as it could have been. Okay. So I like the idea that I could buy the Scat Pack, which gave me the motor and the attitude, and I could get the shaker hood, and it looked so cool. And it was such it – was, it was my favorite modern muscle car. Mm-hmm. Um, but now – That's really funny to me because I found that to be um... – an ex- a very different uh, style of vehicle than, say, the Camaro in the Mustang, which have become sports cars now. Uh, yeah, very good sports that, cars. I think the SRT 392 was trying to match them in terms of being a sports car, and but it the, limita- yeah. the limitations of the platform didn't make that possible. But mm-hmm. now, with the Scat Pack wide body basically becoming the SRT 392, mm-hmm. it, you're going to have to pay more. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. So I don't know if you're still going to be able to get a regular non-wide body Scat Pack. I really hope so because that is my favorite version of the Challenger and I would hate to see it disappear. I think it's the best value out there. The Hellcat is crazy. The Demon is crazier. But the mm-hmm. Scat Pack is very real, real world. Let's go to the cruise in night and, and have a milkshake and just hang out kind of kind of car. And I really right. like that about it. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about that Red Eye, which is a very interesting vehicle mainly because I wonder how Demon owners feel. I mean – the Demon was a limited production vehicle. It was very compromised, um, very fast, unbelievable car, uh, expensive. And now they've put some of the technology that's found in the red in the Demon into the Red Eye, making a more livable vehicle. And as far as I understand, there's no limited production on that. So it will be interesting to see how that goes. People ate up the Hellcat. They ate up the Demon. 
And we'll see what happens right now with this new version of the of the Hellcat, the Hellcat Red Eye. And there's also a normal Monday, if you want to call the Hellcat ever normal. They've also added 10 more horsepower to that as well. Yeah, and the other interesting thing is the the new the the the, the base. It's weird to say base Hellcat. Yeah. The the base Hellcat is five thousand dollars less than what you pay in twenty eighteen. Isn't that so? It is very bizarre. It's a very interesting um, strategy from FCA to keep the Challenger a, a car that me and you have both said really cool, very old in terms of um, um, and uh, technology and, and engineering, and they keep it. They keep updating it every single year um, and keeping it in the forefront of, of enthusiast minds because they have so much power at a very incredible price. Um, yeah, and they're able to they're able to leverage the fact that you can just mix and match like Lego when you're talking about components. So yeah. you know, you take something from the demon, you put it in the red eye in the engine. Um, you you take something from the the Hellcat Y body, you put it on the scat pack. It's it's all possible to do. It's it's not costing you development dollars, and it keeps things fresh uh for for buyers and if you can change pricing like they have i mean it's fifty eight thousand dollars now to buy a hellcat it's mm-hmm. it's another great way to get people coming back for more i'm i'm i don't know i'm i have a lot of interesting thoughts on on the hellcat it's always been an enjoyable vehicle to 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 participate in driving in but it's not like a fast it's not like a track car right like it feels it very... can be you could totally take it to the track it's just a different kind of experience exactly of it's a point and shoot like and then panic as you reach a corner like... i really like i really <laughs> like the the charger hellcat is my favorite of the two because it has a longer wheelbase it has better aero it just feels more stable on in a track environment i feel like the the srt hellcat i'm, I'm kind of driving it more with kid gloves um, because of the power that's available, and in the Challenger, sorry, in the Charger, it just feels like things are more manageable. And I also, I mean, I want to go back to last year when you drove the Demon, and you had such an interesting experience with it. Um, it was like a, it was like a cheat code that you have to figure out to net that like sub twelve second, uh, sub ten quarter, second, sub ten second quarter time. Yes. Wow. Um, that's an impressive like game to play with yourself, and to me, that's enjoyable. It's like uh, figuring out your car at the track and it's a different experience than you get when you take a sports car to the track when you need to you need to handle each corner you need to attack each corner with a different mindset to make sure you get yeah. as fast as you can doing the straight line but with the way the demon wants with the trans brake the launch control uh when you're going to change gears and all that jazz is really it's really different and i think that's yeah what... well the, the demon the demon is a, a purpose-built does one thing vehicle and mm-hmm. it does it very well but i mean another thing to remember is People talk about, oh, it's just going in a straight line, but every launch is different and every track surface is different and every every drag strip you go to is going to have a different reaction to how you apply the power and what kind of traction is available. And it's really, really hard to be consistent. So um, the fact that you can do that with the Demon is one of the most amazing aspects of it. And so that's really cool that they're bringing some of the things that they've done with the Demon into other more accessible vehicles that aren't limited by production. So I'm, yeah, I'm sure. interested to see what they're doing. And again, like I said... Kudos to say for making um, a very old vehicle still relevant and exciting to enthusiasts um, so many years after its debut. Now, uh, Sammy, uh, wrapping things up for this week, what are we going to be talking about next week? Um, next week, I have um, a brand new comparison to talk about. I've got the BMW X1 and the Volvo XC40. I almost forgot what I was driving. Haven't we uh, already talked about the XC40 like seven times? It feels no, like it. I think you've driven the XC40. I've yet to drive it, so I'm very excited about that. And I'm going to put it up against one of the more popular vehicles in its segment, which is the BMW X1. So I want to see how how Volvo handles the 
you know, the, the, the tried and true winner of this class. I'm going to be taking an extended road trip to uh, the ocean, the seaside, and I'm going to be driving through New Hampshire's White Mountains on the way there in an Audi RS5, the, the Whoa. RS5. So I am, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited to, because I, I, it's been a few years, three years, I think, since I drove the RS5, the, the previous generation car, the one I drove had the V8, obviously. Um, and I want to see the differences between the two vehicles because the RS5 was a very, it was an outlier. It was the last of the German super sports sedans, coupe things to, to leave naturally aspirated land. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that it's done that, it's got a twin turbo V6. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that as well. That's a car I haven't driven and I'm looking forward to driving, um, when I get the opportunity because it sounds like a great, a great vehicle and it looks, the RS5 and the S5 always look great. So um, I can't wait to hear what your extended road trip is like. All right. And if uh, you will want to hear about what's coming up on the podcast, if you want to hear what we've talked about already in the past, the best way to do that is to go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. All of our episodes are there. If you don't feel like doing that and you <laughs> want to stick to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or I don't even know if we're on Stitcher, but we are on Spotify. We are nice. on CastBox. We are everywhere. You can find us, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Just search it out. If you do like us or if you don't like us or you just want to leave a review because reviews are fun, please leave a review. It helps us a lot. It gets people interested in the show and it gets more listeners uh, tuning in. Mm-hmm. Sammy, if, if people wanted to reach out to us and ask us questions, questions or make comments or send a recipes i mean how would they do that there's a couple of ways to do that i prefer you reach out to me on twitter i'm at sammy underscore Hoff, like you're laughing um and ben you can reach him he prefers instagram where people are nicer and just comment on his photos of tires uh he's at hunting <laughs> it's tires it's all tires <laughs> yeah at hunting benjamin on instagram as well, if you want to get more, um, if you want to have a private conversation with Ben, I think you can reach out to him on email. He's uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, thanks, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we hope you have a great week. And we will talk to you soon.